Father, this evening we come to you. Father, we have not come to hear from any man, for man will fail. We have come to hear from you. Father, we are just amazed and humbled by this awesome mystery that you choose fragile, vulnerable, weak vessels like us to proclaim your awesome, powerful word. As Paul would say, Father, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, ordinary-looking vessels, that we will always be reminded that the surpassing power is not of us, but it is you. It is from you. And therefore, this evening we come to you, Lord, seeking you, seeking your face, seeking you, Father. We have come to seek you. You and you alone have the words of life. Therefore, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us this evening afresh, that we will be able to hear that I'll be able to speak your word with clarity. There'll be unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that'll rest upon this word. And it'll go forth with authority and power and it'll accomplish the purpose for which it is being preached. Grant us faith to believe. Grant us grace to obey. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, uh, just titled a uh, message, Allowing God to Fill Us to Overflow. That's what I've titled this message. And of course, uh, it's based upon the promise that we've received uh, this year as a church. Um, so we'll just look at the promise that we received and we will just look a verse ahead and a verse below it, following it, so that we'll get the promise in its entire context. Found in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, anyone, anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And by the way, this particular phrase, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water, is not verbatim in the new, in the old covenant. You don't see this exact phrase, but the essence of the entire Old Testament is the fact that God in the new covenant is going to fill us so much that out of our innermost being, that is out of our heart, it says in the NKJV, uh, in the KJV translation, it says out of your bellies, from the inmost parts of your heart, of your being, will flow rivers of living water. It is living water. And then verse 39, But but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Anyone, anyone. This is for, this invitation of course is for, all, 
irrespective of your background. It doesn't matter what background you belong to. It is for everyone. God is not a respecter of persons. He does not show partiality. And that word, of course, is that, I mean, when the New Testament was being, um, uh, so the Old Testament was being translated into Greek, they, they found this word, God does not receive face. In the Old Testament, that's what it means. Not a respecter of persons. What does it mean? God does not receive faces. The original Hebrew is nakar panaim. Panaim. It's not, panaim of course is not just face, it's faces. Faces. I remember Richard Wumbran giving his testimony when he was in prison. Um, one of his uh, prison mates, I mean, his wardens, who was an atheist, who was a communist, was frustrated with this man. He would never budge. After torturing him sufficiently for, a, for quite some time, he brought him to the table, to his table to negotiate with him. And I said, you know what? Brought the Bible along with him and he showed him the Bible. Do you believe every word from this word, from this Bible? Richard Bumbran said, yeah, everything, every word. Do you believe that you were truly made in the image of God? He said, absolutely, every word. That's what the Bible says and that's what I believe. Truly, Genesis chapter 2, God made man in his own image, in his own likeness. Do you believe that? Absolutely. And then what what happened? He brought him a, a mirror and he showed him his face. Now, Richard Wumbrand was in prison for quite some time. Several years have passed by. He was a handsome man before he came to prison, but by the time he was in prison and the and 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 and, and the and he was tortured, the persecution took his toll on his face, and it was marred beyond recognition. And he saw his face, and he just closed his eyes for a brief moment, and then he just opened his eyes and he looked at the image. He could hardly recognize himself, and the prisoner. The, the warden looked at his bewildered face and he said, do you really believe that this is the image of God? You know, Richard Wumbrun is a Jew. <laughs> a Jew who became a Christian. He's a Hebrew, isn't it? He said, I'm going to give you a Bible study. I'm made in the image of God. The word is Panaim. God just does not have a face. He has faces. And this is also one of his faces. You see, anyone, irrespective of the kind of face that you possess, Or in other words, uh, you you cannot try to impress God with your face. (laughs) He sees right through, in other words. You see, you come and show him a crying face, he sees right through. Ecstatic face, he sees right through. A sober face, he sees right through. You cannot fool him because he does not receive anyone's face. You see? So anyone who thirsts is irrespective of what your background is. That's remarkable, isn't it? It's a level playing ground for all of us. That's what it says. If any man, in First Corinthians chapter 3, he says, if any man thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool first so that he can be made wise. Anyone 
thirsts. So the four things that I just want to, um, uh, who, who are these people who can be filled with this Holy Spirit? And rivers of living water would flow out of them. What is, who are these people? I just want to characterize them. Four characteristics which I want to draw. Anyone who thirsts for him. Anyone who comes to him. Anyone who believes in his word. Anyone who desires to glorify him. Anyone. And you, it could be anybody among you here, doesn't mean, mean that the preacher is above the one who's being, who's being, who's receiving the preaching. Everybody, anyone, anyone who thirsts for him, anyone who comes to him, anyone who believes in his word, and anyone who desires to glorify him. I just want to unpack this for you, even as we compare scripture with scripture, to see what does it mean to thirst for him. The question though, of, of course, we want to ask ourselves is, am I thirsty? You see? Okay. Unlike, uh, the body, when you don't drink water after a while, you feel thirsty. But the soul, you could not have, you would, you, it's possible that you would have not read your Bible for quite some years and not recognize the fact that you're actually thirsty. That you're famished in your soul. You see. And you don't recognize the need. That Lord I am really thirsty. Am I thirsty? How do I recognize that? The psalmist uh, will quote this. We sing this song. Amazing song right? Uh, Anyone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. What do we sang? Amazing song. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks. So my soul pants for you, O God. That's what it means. My soul thirsts. It's not a physical thirst. It's a thirst of the soul for God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. You see that, everybody? When shall I come and appear before him? The original Septuagint translation, when you see the original Greek from the Hebrew to Greek translation, when shall I appear to see his face? I want to see his face. He's a living God, right? Out of his belly shall flow, and it's not water, living water. It's a living hope. It's a living word. It's everything about God is living. So, question therefore, am I thirsty for the life of God in me? It's not easy for us to, what does it mean? I mean, to, to, to desire this. Let's, let's try to look at it more carefully. Am I thirsty for the life of God in me? John 1, uh, John's Gospel chapter 1 verse 4 will say, In him was life and that life was the light of men. You see? And he says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And it goes on to say, My words that I speak to are words are spirit and life. It is him we seek. Always understand this. Christianity is a one-on-one relationship with God. It's a relationship with God. See, there are two words for peace in the Bible. In the Hebrew, it is shalom. Shalom means oneness of body, soul and spirit. Oneness. 
When you come to the Greek Bible, the word is Irene. Many women have the name called Irene. Irene means peace. The original peace, the word Irene is translated as oneness with God. You see? So when you call somebody Irene, hey, you who's one with God, that's what it means. Okay? So, that's the reason why Romans chapter 4 will say, 5 verse 1 will say, having been justified by faith, we have Irene with God, meaning we have become one with His Spirit. And literally, the life of God flows through us. You see? Uh, Rajkumar Ramachandran puts it beautifully. He says, there is Param Atma. Okay? Who is the creator? Param Atma. And then he he made Adam from the dust of the earth. And I, I know, the other day I was speaking to some engineers. I, I told them, God made Adam from dust. They all looked at me very surprised. I said, he made them out of silicon. That makes sense because all electronic engineers are silicon engineers, right? He made out of silicon. All electronic gadgets and every robot is made out of silicon. That didn't make sense to them. You see, he, the idea came from God. Okay. He was a perfect engineer. So what did he do? He, he made Adam out of the dust and he breathed into him his life and Adam became Jeevatma. You see. Paramatma, Jeevatma. And what separates Paramatma from Jeevatma? I mean, Jeevatma from Paramatma? It's pop. It's sin. So what is man doing? He's forever trying to find union with the Paramatma by doing yug. Yug meanings yoga. Yoking himself with the spirits of the of the air. <laughs> okay. But he's never going to do it unless he reconciles with one thing, with the sin that is in him. He will never be able to be made one with the Lord. So, honestly, this is exactly what, 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 the, what the psalmist is saying. Lord, I long for that life to flow through me. Through me, unless I am in union with you, I will never be able to produce the life that you demand from each one of us. So the question is, am I thirsty for him? I'll go on to say, John's Gospel, chapter 14, what? What? Look at what it says. See, the life of God, the Spirit of God, which is in, in the Spirit of God, and the person of Jesus are so seamlessly connected with each other. That is the reason why when the, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's, going to, he's not going to reveal anything of himself. He's going to reveal to us the person of Christ. Therefore, the Spirit of God and the person of Jesus Christ are so interconnected. See, you cannot just differentiate one from the other. Let me show you this verse. It's so powerful. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. I'm skipping a particular verse, which I'll come back to later on. A part of this, a part of the verse I'm skipping, I'll come back to later on. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. But you know Him, for He dwells with you, and will be where? In you. Okay? Look at what it says, the next, very next verse. Okay? I will send you a helper, He's going to dwell with you, and He's going to be where? In you. The very next verse, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. What is that? I will come to you. So 
remarkable thing. You see, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to send you the Holy Spirit. In the form of the Holy Spirit, I am going to come into you and I will be in you and I'm going to dwell in you. So what does it tell me? You know what, what it tells me? It's a very simple truth, but yet powerful truth. The very same Jesus which walked, who walked with the disciples for three and a half years, outwardly, the very same Jesus, 2000 years back is, is dwelling inside of us now. That's a powerful truth. That is the reason why Peter will say in 1st Peter chapter 1, he will say, whom though you do not see him, you love him. Whom though you have not seen him in the past, yet you believe in him and therefore you are filled with inexpressible joy which is full of glory. Because the very person of Jesus Christ is inside of you. Therefore, therefore, am I thirsty? For the spirit implies, am I thirsty for him? For a relationship with him? Do I long for that relationship with him? When I get up early in the morning, do I say, Lord, Lord, my relationship with you. That is the reason why, you know what Peter, Paul will say, tell the Corinthians, he says, you know what? I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I've betrothed you to one husband. And lest this enemy comes like he deceived Eve with his craftiness, I don't want your minds to be corrupted from a simple and a pure devotion to Christ. If you are not devoted to him, you are not having a relationship with him, an abiding relationship with him. And you don't desire that. You do not desire his person. How can you be filled? How can you be filled? You see another verse to reinforce this argument in Romans chapter 8. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 9 onwards. You however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, you see that? Spirit of God? Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, see that? Spirit of God? Spirit of Christ. And then he says, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. You see, the spirit of God and the person of Jesus Christ are so interconnected and therefore he's saying, am I thirsty for a relationship with God? Am I thirsty for a relationship with my maker? No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me and therefore am I thirsty for that relationship? Am I thirsty? If I'm, if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in Colossians, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit as Ephesians. Same parallel in Colossians is let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let the person, the things that Christ spoke as a person, That relationship, guarding that relationship, such an important thing through this year. Make that your top priority. Let's not, don't just be dependent upon preachers to come and preach to you and be satisfied with listening to sermons or even listening to sermons on the internet or even listening to sermons, powerful sermons, expository preaching, etc., etc. All that is useless unless and until you have a relationship with him. You see that? My sheep hear my voice. There is an abiding relationship with him and we forget that. Very often we forget that. I'll tell you the reason why we forget that in, in, in a few in a few slides from now. But keep that in mind. Am I thirsty for that relationship with him? Did I, did I say, Lord, I love you today? Did I say that? Lord, Lord, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. It is you I adore. It's all about you, nothing about me. And therefore, that's something which we need to cultivate. Am I thirsty? For him. So why do we, why we cannot receive 
Him is because there's one thing. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The, so, so if in, in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit into your life, something has to be dealt with. And everybody knows that, right? Look at what it says. Let's look at the same chapter, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 16 to 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. What's his name? The Spirit of Truth, you see. Whom the world cannot receive. Why? It's a remarkable word. Something. This word cannot. Cannot. I can't do it. Is something we often use it. And you know what? We forget the, the depth of the word. The original word can in the Greek is dunami. From which we get the word dunamis. See that? So cannot, oh dunami, opposite to can. What it takes to receive is the ability to receive and only God can provide that. It's dunamis. See? You cannot hunger and thirst after righteousness until God gives you that hunger for Him. You see, that is a point over here. You cannot. That is the reason why it says the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to Him. You see, there is absolute depravity inside of us which rejects everything that God wants from us. You see that? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You cannot. Now that is the reason why you'll see in this world, we always have songs about true love. True love, true love. Every time, all kinds of songs about love. We want to have true love, but you cannot receive true love unless you receive the truth about yourself. And forever the world is running after love, but it cannot receive because it that, that love because it will never receive the truth. It's a love-hate relationship. World cannot because it will never, never receive the truth about itself. It's a remarkable, that is why repentance is such a powerful, powerful experience, a gift from God. You know what repentance is? If we, if we know that fundamental doctrines of Christianity, right? Repentance from dead works, what NKJ we will use. Repentance from dead works, meaning any work that you have done without God is a dead work. The NIV is even more powerful. You know what it says? Repentance from acts that led to death, that lead to death, meaning it doesn't matter what you did, however beautiful and embellished it might look from the outside. If it is not done in God, it's still leading you to death. It is still leading you to death. The whole world is under the sentence of death. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. But the wrath of God remains and abides on him. And you cannot unless God intervenes into a situation and grants us repentance. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you 
and will be in you. So what is the difference between a disciple and a person in the world? There is one difference. He receives the love of the truth about himself. And he is never offended by that. Because he knows it is a God of love who is showing you the truth. He's always going to speak the truth in love. And every true minister of God who desires to see the people to whom he's going to minister to desires, you know what? Lord, I might speak some harsh truths, but Lord, give me the grace to speak the truth in love. And one of the things that we as Christians should have is a thick skin. Thick skin. Never to be offended by the truth. May God grant us that grace this year. That when we hunger for and are thirsty for a relationship with him, we will always also be hungry for the truth about ourselves. John's Gospel chapter 3 explains that. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness. We love it. See, we love darkness. (laughs) I told you, it's a love and hate relationship. It's not the ability. It is because we do not love truth. Simple. If you love somebody, you'll keep his commandments. That's the power of love. That is the reason why it says, love hopes all things, love believes all things, love endures all things, love never fails. That is the love that comes from God. Why? It hopes, it hopes that Raj is going to be a mighty man of God. Love hopes. Love believes in the power of God to make Raj the mighty man of God. And though he fails several times, love endures in still in order to make him a mighty man of God and therefore love never fails. You see, that is a power. Love God, love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light. You see that? You don't like that light because in him was life and that life was the light of men. And does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, you see that? Who does it, who loves it, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So therefore, am I thirsty for the truth about myself? Lord, show me, Lord, show me. Lord, what offends you, Lord? Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. Take take the coal, Lord. Cleanse, Lord. Cleanse anything that is not of you. If I want to really experience God, He may take us through the fire. But are you ready for it? Is a question. Because only the fire will show you the genuineness of your faith. See? Am I thirsty? You see that in this example, John's Gospel chapter 4, Samaritan woman, we saw this several times. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, one of the dangers of we as a church is that we can become very familiar with the word of God. I'm going to come to that, but just keep that in mind. Just don't, just don't reject it. We've seen this passage over and over again, but Lord, let me not just reject it because it's too familiar with me. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 4. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. Ah. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to, I mean, oh sorry, uh, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. That is the water of the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. Springing up into what? Life. And this is life eternal to know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The woman said to her, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come to draw water again. Solve all my problems. 
That's what he, she thought, like most of us. Look at what he says. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands and one whom you have. He is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. She accepted the truth about herself. What does it mean? What is the truth? What is the truth? The truth is this. I cannot find sustenance and satisfaction in any other relationship apart from my relationship with God. That's what it means. Any other relationship is bound to be short-circuited. Even the most godly of marriages. Justin and I, we were, not Justin told me the other day that she was hearing a message by Francis Chan. And he was giving a seminar on marriage. He said, those people who are content with God do not need marriage. And those are the people ready for marriage. Got that, everybody? Those people who are content with God do not mean marriage. And those are the people who are ready for getting married. I have to hang my heads in shame, you know. I wish I knew this lot. <laughs> See? Isn't it remarkable? Most of us try to find satisfaction in relationships which are tangible to us. Because seeing a relationship with God is not in the tangible, it is in the spiritual realm. You see, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Precision is going to take a lot of time. You should be absolutely precise with God. Because He's truth, you see, and He's going to be precise. You have five husbands. That's exactly the indictment of Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 of Jeremiah. What he says, for my people have committed two evils. What are those evils? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, any other relationship which has no, no God in that will always have cracks in it. You'll be forever looking from the at the other person to satisfy you and the other person will forever be looking at you to satisfy her and it is never going to take place because both of you have to be made whole. You know why? Because if your concentration is not on God, your concentration will be on one another and you will beat yourself and break yourself. That is the reason why we have holes in marriages. See? But if you have a relationship with God, you know what it says? Romans, I mean, First Peter chapter 2. For Christ is an example. He did no sin. Neither was guile was found in his mouth. When he was threatened, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. By whose stripes we are healed. You see Why? Because he himself bore our sins on the cross and by his stripes we are healed. Meaning what? Meaning when you walk with the Lord and you have a continuous contenting relationship with the Lord, even if somebody keeps breaking you, you'll you'll continuously experience healing in your life. Because your contentment comes from him and not from the other person. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters and hewn themselves systems, broken systems. 
Every vessel which does not, which is not from God is broken. And it will never satisfy you. Exactly the reason why. Because God wanted it to be that way. He, that's a mystery. You can only find contentment only in God. And God alone. Nothing else and no one else. In Him. This year, brothers and sisters. Lord, you Lord, you. Reveal yourself to me. I want a relationship with you. Daily abiding relationship with you. You Lord. It is you I seek. Not any, not anyone else, not anything else. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, you see. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Boy, how can I buy where I don't have money? Buy wine and milk without money and without price? That means there's some price that I got to pay. I need to accept the truth about myself. I need to lose my reputation. Why do you spend money? Your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Delight yourself in a relationship with God this year so that you can be continuously filled. It is he who fills you. Anyone who thirsts. Let this be a prayer this morning, this evening. Lord, create in me that thirst because I don't have the capacity to thirst for you unless you give me that thirst. I'm so much in the flesh. That's the next one I want to talk about. Anyone who comes. Anyone. Anyone who comes. What does that mean? John's Gospel chapter 6 verse 31. 37. And all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Boy. God will receive you irrespective of who you are. Remember that. Okay, You come to him and he will not cast you out. If you come to him with a sincere heart, he will not cast you away. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. So what is the truth that I get from this? Never forget the fact that it, it was God who sought you and not you him. Never forget that. Never forget that. You think you are here in GTC because you chose to be in GTC? No, 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 no. Track the series of events that happened in your life that brought you here. And if you don't see a miracle, and if you don't see mercy, if you don't see mercy, then you have missed the point. You have not, you have not seen the purpose. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3, look at what he says. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has, look at that construction, He has caused us to be born again. Caused us. We could never be born again unless He caused us to be born again. He was the prime mover in everything. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being are being guarded. You see, everything is God. He's doing all. Unless He does it, we cannot have the the taste or even the hunger to praise Him, to, to love Him. And therefore, therefore, never forget that God is the one who caused you to come to Him. First Peter chapter two will will continue to to amplify this. He says, "But you are a chosen generation." A royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light, who once were not a people. You see that? You were not even a people. What do you call yourself? Indian. Okay, American. Not a people. Israeli. Not a people. <laughs> In the New Testament. Scientist. Not a people. Sportsman. Not a people. Doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, you were not a people according to God. But now, you are the people of God. Meaning, every other people who have no identity from God are not people at all. Who had, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And therefore, because, because of this incredible mercy that you have received, do never forget that. Never forget. And therefore, he says, there is a responsibility that comes along with this. He says in verse 11, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, which takes away the thirst for me. Abstain. Abstain from it. Run away from it. Anything that thwarts and impinges upon your relationship with God, run away from it. Run away. And you know what causes you to be disinterested in the things of God. You know it. What are the things that you have done over the period of time? You don't feel like coming to church. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading the word. What causes you to feel that? Run away from it this year. How do we come and why do we come? Why do we come to him? There's a purpose. First Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Why, do, why are you how, why are you coming to him? Because you want to be built up by him as a living stone. Each stone. Meaning, you are being a part, you are being made a part of the body of Christ. And it's, he's going to take a lot of things. He's going to take away the rough edges. He's going to see if you fit properly. Little, little bit of pride there. Cut it off. See if it fits. Still rugged. Smoothen it. That's exactly what happens when brothers meet. Iron sharpens iron. You're becoming smoothened out so that you can perfectly fit into the body of Christ. Meaning you can be filled with the Holy Spirit only if you understand that you are a part of the body. Otherwise God is not going to fill you. He's not going to fill you. And if you're offended with your brothers and sisters in the church, you will never be filled. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers. You know what? The ESV will use the word. Love covers all offenses. Anyone who has offended you, you cover it. Doesn't matter, you will not be offended. Anyone who does that, because love covers. You know why? Because you desire to be filled with this Holy Spirit and therefore you just love your brother. It doesn't matter. Therefore, anyone who comes need to understand that you are a part of the body. You are not independent. You are not independent. Find your proper, proper place in the body of Christ. Just don't be a passive part in the body of Christ. Know what the requirements of the body are. Okay? Wednesday is for mature believers. Know that you are a part of the body. 
What is, and you are a living stone. You come to him as living stone. And you are being built up by him. Meaning, you say, Lord, I submit to you wherever you place me. Wherever you place me. Even if I am hidden. And a stone which is inside, nobody sees it. It's okay with me. You build me up. Okay. Anyone who comes. Anyone who thirsts. Anyone who comes. Third one. The most important for today. Anyone who believes in his word. John's gospel chapter 6 verse 35 and verses 41 to 42. Look at what it says. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who, see, comes to me. Okay, you see that, the connection? Shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Thirst. Okay, so coming and believing are the same. And then the response. This, at this, the Jews began to grumble about him. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Whose father and mother we know? How can, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? You know, whenever you are born from above, and you go to your relatives and say, I've been born from above. <laughs> this fellow, Vijay and Banu, I'm sorry, Ushan, Banu's son? How come he's saying he's born from above? I mean, it's, it's remarkable. This, this, this syndrome among believers, particularly. You go to your believing family and you said, I'm being born again. Too much. You know, I was reading this book by Dallas Willard. The title is Divine Conspiracy. Love that title. You know, I just read the introduction. And after I read the first two paragraphs, I just closed the book. I said, Lord, what is this? Look at what he says, the first two paragraphs of the introduction. Look at what he says. Going step by step. My hope is to gain a fresh hearing for Jesus. That's my hope today also. A fresh hearing. Even though the passages are very familiar to you, my hope is to gain a fresh hearing for Jesus. Especially among those who believe they understand him. In this case, quite frankly, this is what he says, presumed familiarity has led to unfamiliarity. Unfamiliarity has led to contempt. Contempt has led to profound ignorance. How do you like them apples? And it's so true. Among those who think they believe. We have heard that word. We know everything. We know nothing. We are so familiar with the Bible. And that is one thing which I always am scared even for my own children. Even for my own children, I'm scared about that because they are they're growing up in the church and they're always here to fire the preaching, let's say, and that becomes too familiar with them. You know, I remember when we went to this function recently and uh, Shrikas function and they gave us a, a gift. In that gift were two ESV Bibles, one for Abigail and one for Manuela. They came home, they were all excited about the gift that took the Bibles and they started playing with it and I just threw it on the floor. And they started messing around with it. I just ran to them. I said, no 
touching this Bible. Don't get too familiar with it. This takes highest precedence. Just because there are so many Bibles in this house doesn't mean that you're going to treat any Bible ordinarily. I just took it, grabbed it from them and put it in the library. Once you grow big and you're mature enough to read it, I'll give it to you. Presume familiarity has led to unfamiliarity. Unfamiliarity has led to contempt and contempt to profound ignorance. And this, my brothers and sisters, is a sad state of affairs among so many believers who presume to worship the living God. See? You know, this is not extra biblical. You say, this is Dallas Willard's thought. Does the Bible support it? Yeah, let man be, let God be true and every manner. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10 verses 1 to 3. This is very interesting. Beloved, my heart's desire and prayer for God, to prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. I want to, I'm praying to God that they may be saved. This is for Israel, ironically. You see, it's for Israel, those people who are supposed to believe in the Messiah, chose not to believe in the Messiah. And he says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You see, uh, John Piper points a profound truth in these two verses. He says, you may have a zeal for God, even Jesus, and not be saved. You might be coming to church, listening to fire preaching, and yet not be born from above. And it says in John's Gospel chapter 2, it says, when they saw the, uh, the last day of the feast, the feast of the Passover, when they saw Jesus doing many miracles, many started believing in him. But on his part, Jesus never committed himself to anyone because he knew what was in all man. He knew. They saw the miraculous signs that he was doing and they believed in him, but Jesus never entrusted himself. And the very next chapter, chapter 3 starts off, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the person of the Jews, of the Pharisees, the ruler. He comes to Jesus as the night and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who came from God. Why? Because you are doing a lot of miracles. You know, Jesus says, I am not going to entrust myself to you. Unless you are born again, you cannot. You cannot. You have no ability to see me. You may be having a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Why? Look at what what it says, the reason. For them being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Question therefore is, have I become familiar with God's word? Another important question. Have I become too familiar with the preachers of God's word? I was telling my wife, one of the dangers of becoming too familiar with eldership, you know what is a danger? You begin to see their flaws. You got it? And when you begin to see their flaws, you begin to get too familiar with them. And then you begin to despise the world. And that is the reason why one of the things that I have always told myself, I will always place a wall. I will not get too familiar with eldership. I'll respect territory. Doesn't matter. Why? They may be fallible. You may be seeing some 
errors in them. And because you see their errors, you will say, Hare Baba, look at this hypocrite. He thinks he is the oracle of God. I see the, the compromise in his own life. Careful. 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 Careful, my dear brothers and sisters. Careful, careful. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him give us freely? What? All things. You know what those, what those all things are? First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. All things are yours. Whether it be Peter, whether it be Apollos, whether they be Paul, is Paul a thing? You know who these people are? These are the people who spoke the word into your life. That is the one he gives. He gives broken, vulnerable, weak vessels to test you if you will still believe the word and not get too familiar. It's a warning for all of us. Solemn. Why? Why, 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 why this? I want this argument to be reinforced in my mind because there are counter arguments which are coming. Does it not say that uh, those people who are in eldership positions should be leading by example, etc., etc., etc.? Titus chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. Okay, look at what it says. Okay. See, you need to honor the word, not the person. That's what it means. Paul. A bond servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and an acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. These guys, when they started their letters, they did not play dice. <laughs> Whoever gives a salutation like that? Dear brothers, I hope that you are in good health, etc., etc., etc. No, 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 no. Straight to the point. Look at what he says in the next verse. But has in due time, what did he do? He manifested his word through preaching. That's what he did. How do you understand the word of God? It is through preaching. And preaching through whom? Through broken vessels, vulnerable vessels, weak vessels. And he is, that is the reason why if you cannot compromise the pulpit, attack the guy who is standing behind the pulpit and therefore you have so much going around to tarnish the image of the guy who stands behind the pulpit. Don't get too familiar. Too familiar. Too familiar. Just not. This is this is interesting, right? They didn't get just too familiar. We don't. We can't just get too familiar with 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 uh, people who preach the word. Even if Jesus were to walk, you will still get familiar. That's what it means. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 to 58. And coming to his own hometown, this is the problem. When you go to your own hometown, they'll all be offended. And this is by default. It doesn't matter which background you come from. If you came from the Lutheran background, you go back to your Lutheran brothers, they will all be offended because of you. You know why they're offended? How come you didn't get saved in my church? (laughs) How come? How come? Coming to his own hometown, he taught them in the synagogue, so they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? And that is the reason why when, when I see bumper stickers, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, I really wince in my spirit. You are making God too familiar. 
He is the God who created this entire universe. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him there was nothing made that was made. That's what it means. Don't forget that. Just because Jesus came as a man, don't get too familiar with men of God. Where did this man? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where then this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Offense. They were offended. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See? Brothers, don't get too familiar with God's word. Let there always be a sense of awe for his word, a respect for his word, a respect for the preaching of the word of God. Let there be always solemnity when we come to the house of God. Let there not be familiarity with the things of God. And it is going to bite you if you get too familiar. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you should not have accountability Partners, etc. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about familiarity. That's a total, total different. There's a lot of difference there. Where you just say, okay, 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 it doesn't mean, especially it happens in the closest of relationships. You see? It happens there. When you become too familiar, guard that if you want to be filled. Okay? Next. Anyone who desires to glory, first one. Anyone who first thirsts for him, anyone who comes to him, anyone who be- desires to, uh, sorry, believes in his word, and the final thing, anyone who desires to glorify him. Everyone. Look at that verse, verse 39 of John's Gospel, chapter 7. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, if you have the intention of glorifying Jesus and not yourself, he will fill you with the Spirit. Okay, got that? Otherwise you cannot. Alright? Otherwise you cannot. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 5, verse 44. How can you believe? It's a rhetorical question. So to understand rhetorical question, answer the, answer the question and the question becomes a statement. The proposition. Okay. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the law, from the only God? From the only God. In other words, you cannot believe if you seek the honor from men and do not seek the honor that comes only from God. See that? This is Romans chapter 2, not not 4. Romans chapter 2, beg your pardon. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart. You see that? In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. In other words, one of the things that I always want to do is do the work. Like Jesus, like Pastor was saying, after Elijah did his work, he put his head between his knees. One of the challenges Zach Puran always gives is 
Can you put your head between your knees? You know what that means? Do you have a paunch? Elijah. But nowadays we have pot bellies all around, right? But by the time you're 20s, you're already having a pot belly. You're not able to. And that is the reason why we in the church, we <laughs> suggest fasting once in a while, regularly. So that you have the ability to put your head between your knees. What does fasting mean? Forget about the world. Concentrate on God. We were given that opportunity last year, 2016, the last week. So that you can put your head between the knees. You see? Thank God I lost some weight. <laughs> I went to the Tuesday Bible study. We said, you put down weight. Thank you, Jesus. Because I also played TT when I was fasting. So it's good. You see? What does it mean? Don't get distracted with the things in the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. You see? Take your focus off. Because, see, why do we, why is it so difficult for us to do that? Because we are so bombarded by images. You know what the images are? Your glory now. Seek your glory now. Seek honor now. Seek immortality now. But you'll die, right? Put a statue now. So that you can become immortal. That is the reason why we have placards in churches in memory of. They're gone, but they still live on. <laughs> Let us be like Abel. I want to show you another passages. What does it mean? What does it mean here? What glorified God is character and not reputation. That's what glorifies God. You got that? What glorifies God? Character, not reputation. He's looked at that. Therefore, you look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war, which war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among Gentiles. This honorable is not honorable according to Gentiles. It is honorable according to God. How do I know that? That when they speak against you as evildoers, that's what they'll do. You see? When they speak against you, because your conduct is honorable when it compa- when you compare yourselves with God, and not when you compare with the, yourselves with them, they will say, you're an evildoer. You're an evildoer. They may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. They'll glorify God. And therefore you will continue to honor God. Continue to honor God. What does it mean? You choose to honor God in spite of the fact that it will cost your reputation. That is the reason it says in 1 Samuel 3, 2, 0, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. 1, 2, 3, 0. Easy to remember. Far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will also honor. Those who despise me, I will also lightly esteem. 
It's a glory, honor and immortality that comes from God and not from man. That means I'm ready, I'm willing to wait, I'm willing to go through this pain and suffering. Whatever it is, I'm not going to return back. Especially the closest of relationships, your spouse. Your spouse. It's very difficult. Yesterday I was telling uh, the, the, the Tuesday Bible study. In this manner, let your adorning be that of the in, hidden person of the heart, right? Hidden person of the heart. Okay, I'm not picking on women, but look, look at this. It's a double-edged sword. Whenever I use this, 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 this particular verse, it's a double-edged sword. It says, let your honor, let your, uh, uh, your adorning be of the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable beauty of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is very precious. For in like manner, the holy woman who hoped in God adorned themselves, submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, what, what did she call him? Lord. Lord, you know what Lord is? Go back to Genesis and she says, my Lord. You know what she's calling Abraham? My Adonai. The word Lord is Adonai. Lord, what does it mean? Your husband is in the very position of God. That is where familiarity comes, right? This guy, Adonai. This is not Adonai. I don't know. It is not Adonai. I don't know. See? My Lord! What does it mean? It's a double-edged sword. So when, 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 when men quote it, who says? Adonai says. Are you really Adonai? Really? Is your conduct so good that you can be called Adonai? See, that is where the whole suffering comes because there you have to die to yourself. You know, you have to still call this guy Adonai. My Lord, even when he's he's imperfect. You know why? Because holy women who hoped in God adorned themselves. Their hope was not in that person. Their hope was in God who's going to change that person. That's the hope. That's the hope. So they, without a word win over their husbands by their pure conduct. That is suffering. That brings God glory. That is character. There is no reputation there. The other side would say, this is a woman who fought for the rights of women. And whenever she saw this husband, she took her to court. And see, this, it's, it's, it's both ways. He's that, that's the reason he tells, he tells, he tells husbands, husbands, Live with your wives. You know, when I was reading the scripture very carefully, I was stuck at this verse. Husbands, live with your wives. We always read when we memorize it. Husbands, live with your wives. No, no, no. Husbands, deal with your wives. No, 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 no. Husbands, live with your wives. Husbands, not boyfriends, live with your wives, not girlfriends. See, so many, so many meanings over there. Husbands live with your wives giving honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Why? Since you are 
heirs together of the grace of life. She may be a weaker vessel, but you need to also understand that she is an heir of God. Otherwise, your prayers will be hindered. And that's going to take a lot of, lot of time, lot of dying, lot of character building, that which glorifies God. What are you interested in? Character or reputation? Otherwise, you can just put tooth malish, no? Put a plaster here, plaster there, plaster here, plaster there, and never deal with the issue. God, what glorifies God is character and not reputation. Character. That is the reason why. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5. I want to end with this. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Why? We, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Meaning, we rejoice in the fact, in the hope that our lives will glorify God. How? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces? Everybody read that? Character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because you are interested in character. The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. God fills you with the Holy Spirit. Because you said, you know what? This guy is interested in character and not in hope. And not in a reputation. I am absolutely for character. He says, come on. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the power to forgive. I'm going to give you the power to endure. I'm going to give you the power to love other people. I'm going to give you the power to give. I'm going to give you the power to overlook faults. I'm going to give you the power for covering multitude of offenses against you. You know why? Because you are interested in character. And therefore, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Four things. Four things. Boy, isn't it amazing? The first Wednesday, God has to teach us these lessons. Are you thirsty? For Him. For Him. You will do it if you are thirsty for Him. Therefore, Paul says, Baba, your minds, let your minds be stayed on Him. Let them not be diverted, diverted by the simplicity that is in Christ, a pure and sincere devotion with Christ. If that is gone, it doesn't matter how many Bible studies you you attend. If that relationship is not valued, Thirst for that relationship this year. Come to him to build his body. Believe in the word. Let the word never become familiar to us. Let it be always fresh. Let it not stink inside of you. That's what happened. They kept the word till yesterday, till tomorrow it started stinking. Let it not stink inside of you. Let it not become too familiar. And let all this be done so that you have a desire to glorify Him, glorify Him, glorify Him, glorify Him. Lord, not me. In all things, Christ, let Him have the preeminence. Let Him, Lord, let us all die. And it's going to happen. This is going to test us. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to buy. It's not going to be free. If He says, even though He says, come to me, you have to die. We have to pay with your reputation. In other words, you have to pay. You say, Lord, take my reputation. Give me your Holy Spirit. Take. And then you'll be filled this year. Do you desire that? It's not going to be easy. Filled to overflow. Do you think every promise, everybody will believe? No. Not all Israel is Israel. Not all Israel is Israel. Do you think every promise will everybody will believe? 
Everybody will have the same zeal. Wish, I wish. That's what it says in Moses chapter 7. Uh, Moses will say, you know, when uh, Joshua comes and says, Moses, please ask those people to stop prophesying, please. You know what Moses will say? I wish that every one of God's people will prophesy. That's my heart. That's my heart. But will everyone have the character to prophesy? No. Only Moses had that. And therefore he says, Lord, I desire you, Lord. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths that I may lead your people. Lead your people. It's not about me, Lord. Lord, take my name out of the book of life and let them be grafted in, O Lord. Two of the most intelligent people, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, both had the same heart. Paul says, Lord, let my name be blotted out. Moses said, "Let Lord, let my, my name be blotted out. Both. Both wrote the first five books of Moses and the other guy wrote the, most of the New Testament. Do we have that kind of a heart? Lord, Lord, give me. We don't have it naturally. We don't have it. That's the reason why it says natural man devoid of the Holy Spirit. Natural man cannot receive the Holy Spirit because it's foolishness. And this morning, this evening, ask God, Lord, create in me that thirst. Let that be my prayer. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Take me past the outer courts. You know what? Every time you want to go to an, into a deeper level, you know, every time you pass through a level, there is a way that you have to pass through. Every, from the outer courts into the holy place, you have to pass through a veil. You have to die. From the holy place to the most holy place, there's another veil. You have to die. Every time you have to die, you have to die to your reputation in order, in order that you, in order, in order that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you desire that this year? If there is not, that is not your desire, ask God for that desire because His promise is there. His promise is there. But let it not pass by. Let us not be a captive audience. Especially this church, Lord, Lord, give us that grace that we will be a church which will always be on fire for you. Always be, we'll stir each other up for good works. We'll exhort each other. Whenever we meet and talk to each other, we'll always have a word to give those who are weary because we desire to glorify Him. That in all things, Christ will have preeminence. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We praise you, Father. We've learned four things. Let it just not be in the mind. Let it become life, life and spirit. Thank you, Father. Commit each one of us into your hands. Cause us to walk in your ways. Write your law on the tables of our heart and on our minds. In Jesus' name, Amen.